Hello and welcome to A Murderous Affair, the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. My name is Gabrielle and it has been a little while, huh guys? Thanks for being so patient while the podcast was on a bit of a break. Life got a little bit crazy for a while there, but I'm back and I'm very, very ready to get this thing going again. And I missed you guys, so I'm glad I have you know more people to talk about murder with because, you know, you can't do that with everybody. Let's start our first episode back off with a bit of a throwback, shall we? One of the very first episodes that I ever did talked about the pirate queen Ching Shi from China. And while I was researching female pirates, Jeanne de Clisson was another female pirate who came up quite often. Hey, if you like the podcast, why not check out some of our merch? Right now, there are two different, amazing, super comfortable t-shirt designs that you can buy advertising your love for a murderous affair for only $15. What a steal, right? You can buy them on frumiusreads.com forward slash shop and receive a handwritten thank you for your purchase as well as my unending gratitude. Seriously. So go head on over to F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S dot com forward slash shop and buy one today. All right, now back to the episode. For our woman of the week, Jeanne de Clisson slash de Belleville slash the Lioness of Brittany, we are going to have to travel to 1300s France. She was born to the noble class, the daughter of nobleman Maurice Montague of Belleville and Pauleo, and Latisse de Parthenay of Parthenay. Listen, there are a lot of French names here, and I am not pronouncing them correctly, so I am apologizing ahead of time. Um, I will do my best. Jeanne's first marriage happened when she was around 12 years old to a 19-year-old Geoffrey de Chateaubriant. Together, they had two children, a son, also named Geoffrey, who was born in 1314, and a daughter, Louise, born in 1316. I have to say that I love how strict and well-documented the lineage is when it comes to early European countries. Like, it at least always has a generation before and a generation after mapped out and detailed with where and when people were born, and overall, it's just fascinating. It's kind of crazy to see the amount of records that were kept. Anyway. Husband number one died in 1326, and in 1328, Jeanne married Guy of Pianthever. It's suspected that she did this as a way of protecting her young children from being taken advantage of or forced into early marriages like how she was. But this second marriage didn't last long, as Guy's family disapproved of Jeanne's lineage, and so they overall got their marriage annulled. So then, around two years later, she married her third husband, Olivier de Clisson IV. Eventually, they would have five children together. Isabeau, Maurice, who died about a year after his birth, Olivier V, Guillaume, and Jeanne. Together, the family was extremely wealthy and pretty highly placed on the social ladder. It also seemed like their marriage was a happy one. Overall, they both loved each other and wanted to spend their life together. Now, in the 1330s, there was an entire war going on, which Really, when is there not a war going on? Let's be honest. But this one, the Breton War, Olivier was contacted by his friend, Charles de Blois, to help defend against the English enemy forces. In 1342, after multiple attempts, the English were able to capture the city of Venice, where Olivier and other military commanders defending the city 
were captured as prisoners of war. Olivier ended up being the only one released on exchange, and for a pretty cheap ransom as well, which made the king and Olivier's friend Charles very suspicious. They somehow thought that Olivier was actually a sympathizer to the English and hadn't defended the city of Venice to its full potential. It was Charles who accused him of being a traitor. In 1343, a truce between England and France was signed, and it was under this so-called safe conditions of this truce that Olivier and other lords were invited to a tournament in France to celebrate. This turned out to be a plot to actually arrest Olivier, who was taken to Paris and accused of treason and crimes against the king, and the king ordered his execution. He was beheaded and they hung his body off of a scaffold for the Parisian citizens to observe and sent his head to the city of Nantes in Brittany to be put on a gate as a display of warning to others. Now, this action actually caused a huge wave of shock through all levels of nobility because the evidence of guilt wasn't presented, and apparently the desecration of a body was reserved for mostly low-class criminals and not done to those who were considered to be of upper nobility. So obviously, how dare the king have the audacity to desecrate the body of a nobleman, but for those peasants, it's totally okay. This outraged Jeanne, and understandably too. She wasn't the only one who was pissed that King Philip IV decided to do this. She took her two young sons from Clisson to Nantes to show them the head of their father that was publicly displayed on the gate. And it was here that she swore to get revenge against King Philip IV and Charles de Blois, who she considered the most responsible for his death. So how was this seemingly out of nowhere French heiress going to raise hell against the literal king of France? The first thing she did was sell the de Clisson estates and raise enough money to hire a whole army of loyal men. It's estimated that this initial group was around 200 to 300 people. Some were fellow noblemen that converted to her cause and others were just men that she believed to be loyal enough to hire. Her army began attacking French forces who remained in Brittany. It's recorded that she attacked a castle near Bonnes at a city called Tofu. Literally T-O-U-F-F-O-U. How am I supposed to say it? Tofu? As well as a castle occupied by Galois de la Housse, who was an officer of Charles de Blois. And she and her army massacred the entire garrison with the exception of one individual. This would turn out to be kind of a trademark of Jeanne's. She would always leave one or two witnesses to spread the tales and explain what had happened. There was also a garrison about 20 kilometers southeast of Nantes where her husband's head was displayed at Chateau Thebaud, which had been a post that her deceased husband had actually controlled for a while. In 1346, she was able to gain ships and use them to supply the English forces in a battle against France during the Battle of Crissy, which ended up endearing her immensely to the English king. With his support, as well as the fellow noblemen and women who supported her cause, Jeanne was eventually able to command three warships, painted black with dyed red sails. Her flagship was named My Revenge, and her fleet was known as the Black Fleet. Her ships would patrol the English Channel, hunting down French ships and killing the entire crew. Jeanne would instruct her fleet to leave a few witnesses, that way they could deliver the news to the French king 
of what happened. And this is where she earned her nickname, the Lioness of Brittany. According to survivors, she would personally execute high-ranking prisoners that were taken from the French fleets, beheading them with an axe like her husband had been beheaded. Her overall piracy career is estimated to have lasted around 13 years. During this time, it's said that she attacked coastal villages in Normandy and would pirate them, looting valuables and supplies before setting these towns on fire as she and her crew left. It was actually during a routine attack against the French that her flagship was sunk. Anne-Jeanne, along with her two young sons, Guillaume and Olivier, were adrift for five days. It's said that she spent those five days rowing to England before she was rescued by sympathizers to her cause and taken to land. Unfortunately, Seven-year-old Guillaume died of exposure before they were rescued. It was after this catastrophe, when she'd been rescued by English supporters, that she ended up staying on the mainland for a while and met her soon-to-be fourth husband, English knight Walter Bentley. Now, Bentley had been a military deputy during King Edward III's military campaign. Bentley had been awarded for his services with a huge amount of land and multiple castles. Jeanne married Bentley in 1356 and stayed in England for a while before retiring to the castle of Hennebont, a town on the coast of Brittany in France, and died in 1359. Overall, she was an ordinary woman pushed to extreme measures when her husband faced this unjust execution. She basically haunted King Louis IV from her time of piracy until his death in 1350. Overall, I really, really enjoyed learning about her, and I hope you guys did too. Please feel free to tell me what you thought of this episode. Um, let me know who we should cover next. Happy Pride to everybody out there, and definitely expect some episodes covering some leaders and women who should be recognized as being part of the LGBT plus community whose stories should be told. But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to follow the podcast on anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, anywhere and everywhere. Stay spooky, friends, and I'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Do you like coffee? I'm pretty picky about my coffee, but I have to say that Coffee Over Cardio does have some of the best coffee available online. My personal favorite is the Doctor's Orders, which is a vanilla hazelnut medium roast that tastes amazing all year round, iced or hot. If coffee isn't your thing, they've also got these delicious electrolyte add-ins for your water called hydrates, and they're a fantastic way to get an extra boost of energy while staying hydrated. Get 10% off your first order using the code 10 reads when you buy at coffeeovercardio.com. That's 10-F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S.